The following program does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff or management of WFMD. This is the Faith Debate on 930 WFMD. Thank you for starting part of your day. Maybe you've already been up for hours. Well, I know. Maybe you're not starting. Maybe you're in the middle of your day. Well, thank you for spending part of your Sunday morning with us here on the Faith Debate. I'm Troy Skinner. been doing this show for a little while, so maybe you know me, and you've gotten to know some of these other voices rather well in recent months, uh, too. All four of us on the panel tonight are pastors of house churches. We've got Daniel and Imran Razvi with the uh, church that meets at Imran's house. We've got uh, David Forsey, the unnamed house church on the southern end of Frederick County, and me, Troy Skinner, the pastor of Household of Faith in Christ. I uh, have a website, householdoffaithinchrist.com. You can connect with all the social media, and uh, you can find links to this Faith Debate show. Of course, you can follow the Faith Debate show at WFMD's website as well. That's wfmd.com. And if you got one of those really cool, like, extra special cars that has an HD radio in it, or you happen to have an HD radio at home, you can listen on the FM, where David Forsey sounds really good. 99.9 <laughs> HD, too. Right, David? You got that deep bass yeah, kind of. Turn up the, the low register there. <laughs> yeah, you got to make sure your woofers are in good uh, are in good working order. So we've been working our way through. We, we start, we've kind of transitioned with the Faith Debate show. Uh, it was maybe last summer, late summer, early fall. I can't remember exactly when, but... Uh, we're coming off the heels of the show, having been in a bit of a transition because of all the restrictions that were placed on our ability to do our typical roundtable discussion shows uh, with all the, you know, uh, we don't want to get canceled by the social media tech giants. By all of the uh, crud that's out there and floating through space and people being nervous about that, there are certain things we weren't allowed to do. And so the, the show kind of went through a weird phase and we weren't able to talk about a lot of things that I think were on a lot of people's minds and so we've been working through some of those issues that have been in the news that have been impacting lives in general church life more specifically uh, individual uh, Christian life because all four of us would be uh, Christians uh, and we're heading down the tail end of that so we're going to begin to transition probably after our recording session together here now into some of those things maybe even as we record today, we'll see. But to, to flesh out some of those things, lots of weird stuff going on in the world. And I don't know if you guys have noticed, and maybe it's just me. It could be just me. Maybe I'm, my, my antenna are up and I'm noticing it. Does it seem to you like in recent months, more than usual, famous people have been dying? Does that seem, have you noticed that? It, it seems like almost every day in my news feed, somebody, now there's always celebrity people that die. I don't remember it being every day. It feels like it's every day, and it's almost always somebody I know, which is even more rare, right? Because like, I have no idea who is that, and I'll ask my wife, oh, that's an actor. She's in this show or was in this movie. I like, never heard of it. Never heard of her. Never heard. But a lot of high-profile people. Have you guys, is it just me? I, I've not noticed. Yeah, it must be just you. I haven't noticed. Yeah. Really? I, I haven't really noticed. <laughs> All right, um, so it's maybe just. It's a, maybe it's with. a, you know. The, the, the uh, age group. All right. Well, it's just me. But there were some. <laughs> but there were some high profile high profile people have died in the last you know year or so. You know, um, uh, and and some of them get celebrated, which is good. We should celebrate someone's legacy. But in a nation that uh, is led by a bunch of uh, Euro nationalist racist uh, uh, xenophobes, you wouldn't think we would celebrate lives like Colin Powell or Kobe Bryant. Uh, when they pass. And yet that happened. So 
is that the, a fact of the narrative being wrong or our, our Christian sensibilities overtake our sinful nature? Uh, we're talking about you know, critical race theory um, and things related to that. But, but broader than that, the things that are in the DNA of the, of the culture generally. Remember a number of years ago there was that happening in, uh, in uh, Charlottesville and the then president of the United States uh, talked about how there were good people on both sides and he just got castigated for it. But that's not what he said. Exactly. Well, yeah, exactly. He didn't exactly say that. They, well, it took, I don't know exactly the words he used, but whatever the exact words that he used, they took them out of, a, out of a broader context where he went on to explain more fully what he really was intending to say. Well, he said, he said there, there were fine people on both sides, and I don't mean the white nationalists who should be condemned totally. It was one sentence. So that was the second half of the sentence is what was removing. In, and, in on, on, and as if there are only two sides to any issue, there are multiple sides to, to most any issue. And there are going to be, based on our estimation, quote unquote, good people, depending on how you want to define good. I would argue there aren't any good people on any side of any issue. That's what the Bible says. <laughs> no, nobody's good, not even one. So nobody stood up and criticized then-President Trump for that, right? Where were the Christian pastors criticizing for saying there were any good people? We're all sinners. <laughs> True. <laughs> well, these days you're not going to get any pastor to say that because being good is part of their culture. And very, I don't, I don't know if any mainstream pastor would ever stand up and say there are no good people. And I think, to even put a finer point on it, because I've been thinking about this recently for whatever reason, I don't know that you have pastors right now, for the most part, who, who want to sound like they're biblical, that they're, that they're legit pastors who are saying that, oh, everybody's good, you're good just the way you are. I don't know if they're saying that exactly, but I will say there's a huge emphasis on a different four-letter word, nice. You have to be nice. That's what Vody uh, Bakum says, the 11th commandment, thou shalt be nice. You know, you don't want to be winsome. Uh, as as we're uh, recording this show in the in the you know Christian circles news the last week or so uh, I don't know if you saw this Tim Keller uh, had a positive tweet that he sent out regarding mm -hmm. Stephen Colbert did you do you know what I'm talking about I, I haven't seen it uh, so it's a short clip it's it's circulating on social media I don't know the name of the actress like I just got done saying I have to turn to my wife and say who is this I don't know who this is some young actress uh, she's probably famous if she's on Stephen Colbert's show at late at night. And he's interviewing her, and at one point she turns to him, that turns the tables on him, and says, "You know, one of the things I like about you, Stephen, is you always talk about your faith on your show and stuff. And you know, how do you how do you navigate that? Trying to be a comedian, um, and I would put the emphasis on trying to be a comedian because I don't find <laughs> Stephen Colbert very funny. But trying to be a comedian and you know, and talk about your faith at the same time, how do you, how you do that? And Stephen Colbert goes on this rather esoteric soliloquy for about thirty to forty seconds." in which he talks, he mentions the name Jesus, he does mention Jesus one time, without any real gospel context or biblical framework around it, but he does mention the name. And he talks, uh, he leaves the, the strong impression that there is a hereafter, there is an eternity that we have to be concerned about, and he talks about the struggles with fear. And he mentions how he hopes, and he uses Jesus' name, if I remember correctly, in the context of, he hopes that that uh, after his life on earth is over, that Jesus has a sense of humor. I think that's what he says. Anyway, so that's, that's the gist of what he says. And Tim Keller sends out a tweet congratulating Stephen Colbert, saying this was an incredibly wonderful example. I mean, those aren't the exact words, but that was the tone of how Christians should witness to the world to share, you know, the gospel, the biblical truth in a way that the culture can receive it. So... 
my instinct on that is immediately like a knee jerk. No, Tim Keller's lost his mind. Um, but what he's applauding there is the niceness, right? Stephen Colbert was nice. He didn't risk offending somebody by talking about sin or the need for repentance. Well, it's like the way Kanye yeah. talks about the Bible and Jesus and, and so on. He's, he's all about Jesus and being nice and the good Christian now. I'm not sure how deep the faith runs, but I mean, obviously you can be a, you can be a, a baby Christian and not have a deep understanding of how to explain the gospel to somebody. And that's one of the concerns, too, with this nice thing that's plaguing the church, in my opinion, is Kanye West. Um, boy, we're a total stream of consciousness today. Mm-hmm. So Kanye West, he has a rather public professed conversion a few years ago, right? Two, three years ago, something like that it was now. Yeah. Right. And a whole bunch of people in the evangelical world like wanted to glom onto him and celebrate him and make a big deal about that. And they wanted to be really nice to Kanye West. And so that he would like them and maybe help build their platform. There's, there's that part of it, I think. Mm-hmm. And also wanted to signal to the world that, look, if you profess to believe in Jesus Christ, we'll be really nice to you, too. But I don't know that he's had an opportunity to be very well discipled. Uh, he's, by his own admission, would have claimed to, to be a new Christian, a recent convert. And he's almost immediately invited to speak at churches and to do teachings, if you will, um, more famously, or perhaps infamously, uh, he spoke at Lakewood Church in Houston, Joel Osteen's right. uh, heretical congregation. Uh, so, again, niceness shoots us in the foot. So, where's the balance in this? We don't want to people. To, we don't want to give people ammunition to falsely accuse us. Well, Jesus wasn't nice, not in the sense that we define it in America now. I mean, yes, sure, there's that loving side to him and the nice side to him, but he was. He, he, I mean, he. The biggest example everybody uses is he went and overturned the tables, but it was premeditated. It wasn't even just stream of consciousness. As uh, you know, he didn't walk in and he's like, "Oh, could you move out of the way?" No, he he took time and braided a whip, which takes it it takes effort. And then he went and whipped people and and threw them out. That's that's not nice. But the thing that you're going to hear from today's contemporary Christian, at least in America, a lot of times. They're going to bring up, oh, yeah, but you don't want to, you know, what about the concern of giving the appearance of evil? You know, you don't want to do something that might lead somebody else to give into temptation and sin. Or you don't want to have anybody have any reason to think that your testimony is, is askew or something like that. So how do, how, you're, you guys are pastors. How do you navigate that? Yeah, you're I proclaiming think, the truth, I think aren't what you? what happens there a lot is we're, um, we're allowing someone else to... To define the terms or allow society to define the terms. Mm-hmm. So, like, even when it comes to, like, good, you know, like, it it is important to define all these things. Um, you know, it, we don't want to give the appearance of evil. Okay, so who's, uh, who's deciding what evil is? Is that something that everybody gets to decide in their own, you know, in their own mind with, you know, their own feelings? Just like everything else in today's today. culture, yes, right. That's yeah. That's what I'm Clearly, saying. Clearly, right, right, right. Like, unambiguously, so... that is the prevailing <laughs> wind right now. Right. But is that what the verse is talking about? Uh, the appearance of evil. No, but I, I think when it's uh, I think when it's misused, you know, it's right. it's because Christian leaders have uh, have bought into today's culture. And uh, and are are giving into those those prevailing winds rather than um, saying no no the Bible itself defines 
our terms for us. We can find our definitions there. And, and to piggyback off that, you know, there's there's a lot of cries of hypocrisy whenever a major Christian leader, whether they were saved or not, but whatever, whenever they have some made some big scandal and a falling away or just things happen that, that are bad or evil. Yeah. Ravi Zacharias, very high-profile example from about a year right. or so ago, right? And then, he died, uh, and we found all sorts of horrible things about him. Right, and, and, and uh, or at least accusations. Uh, oh, they've been pretty much proven I at think, this point. Yeah. Okay. I, hadn't, I hadn't followed the, uh, <laughs> yeah, the latest on that. Sadly, sadly. So true. in any case, yeah. though, what does that prove? It proves that they were a sinner, which is exactly their point. If they were preaching the gospel throughout their life, mm-hmm. whoever it is, Ravi Zacharias or anybody, if you're preaching the gospel and you preach from the Bible, you're going to preach at some point, I am a sinner and I still have the potential to commit sin um, because salvation is not about no longer sinning. And if I am no longer sinning, that's, you know, if I had no evidence of that, I mean, all this proving is, is the point of the gospel is that, yeah, we need a savior. Um, so it's, it's not something that should be unusual or, or, or not. It's not something that should be surprising when we see that happened, but the culture just tends to, oh, you're a hypocrite. You're not one of those goody-goody Christians that I see you do bad things too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we need, to, we need to double down on that and not, not go sin more that grace may abound, but, but, uh, but don't uh, you know, face the storm head on and say, no, actually, that's correct. And that's exactly what the gospel says. You know, we are still sinners. Yeah, and it's interesting. It's funny that this topic is uh, a lot of weird, random things are coming up that are connecting with where my thought life uh, has been recently. You started with critical race theory. Yeah, and I've I've been thinking about uh, you know precision of language, how important that always is, but particularly it seems so important in today's day and age and to define terms and be and be extra careful at trying to be precise of exactly what we mean and how we're saying what we mean. And for years, I've actually said in sermons, you know, when I preach. And I'm invited to guest preach somewhere else, and they're meeting me for the first time. It's, it's you know, I, I've done it a number of times where one of the first things out of my mouth is, you know, you might not know me, so, you know, let me introduce myself. My name is Troy Skinner, and I am a sinner. And I'll pause dramatically, saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. But I've come to think about that. I'm not sure that I any longer think that that is precisely how the Bible characterizes things. All people are sinners. We're, we're born it's as sin sinners, nature. right? Uh, original sin, we're all born as sinners. And if uh, you want proof that we're sinners, we'll just wait a few minutes and I'll demonstrate by, the, by somebody's sin that they're a sinner. But then when somebody is saved in Christ, the Bible doesn't really refer to them as sinners at that point anymore. Now they're referred to as saints. Right. So they're saints that still wrestle against sin. They're saints that still, this side of glory, commit sin. But our identity is no longer that of sinner. Our identity is that of saint. And so I've been really thinking about that, and I think that that could be a really important distinction for us, maybe to, at least I think it's going to become an important distinction for me when I'm preaching and stuff to make the point to say that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are no longer a sinner. That's not the label. You're still wrestling against sin. You're still struggling against sin. That's why somebody like Ravi Zacharias, you haven't paid that close of attention to it. I don't know. Have you, David? Paid very much uh, close attention to that. No, not a lot, but so he was mired in apparently years and years and years of unrepentant, gross, heinous sin. I mean, unrepentant and hiding it and lying about it and covering up for it. It really brings into question 
Uh, I mean, only God can know for sure, but based on the information we now have, it raises the question of, was, was he actually a believer? Was he actually a follower of Christ? I've got my doubts now, which then makes, raises all sorts of questions about different things. So in his case, was he a saint who still wrestled against sin? I don't know. John's first epistle talks about, I think it's in chapter 2, talks about you sin, but then you pick yourself up and wipe yourself off and you move forward. Like you don't wallow in your sin. You don't stay in your sin. Like you, right, you repent and you move on. Although sin can take a while before you really admit to it. I mean, just think about David and Bathsheba, right? It wasn't like, oh, he saw her and then there was a one-night thing. Oh, yeah, no, no. He but decades, her, I don't know. He called the guy back from the <laughs> army and then tried to cover it up and then sent him back to die. I mean, there was this whole long affair, yeah. pun intended. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. It, it wasn't just, you know, one day type of, oh, uh, you know, in, in um, indiscretion. And, of course, he did repent eventually, obviously. Yeah, and, and, and I don't want to make this about Ravi Zacharias, but just to clarify, for anybody who hears my voice and is like, what are you talking about? I love Ravi Zacharias. I will say for the record, I mean, a lot of people that were in the circles I traveled for years were big fans of Ravi Zacharias. But I will say, Ravi Zacharias never quite did it for me. I never, his style never quite connected with me. Uh, I thought he was very uh, winsome, very articulate, very bright guy. But I never felt like I learned a whole lot from him. I'd watch an entire lecture and I was like, yeah, I don't know I gained anything out of that. So he never really did anything for me. But I knew he was. I paid attention. I had regard for him based on the opinions of a whole bunch of other people. And then you find out, I mean, he uh, had ownership in a whole bunch of uh, massage parlors in different parts of the world where he would frequent. And he owned them so that he could frequent them. And uh, he was a, uh, a serial happy ending guy, you know, and he would manipulate uh, these masseuses, these women, into feeling like that's what they needed to do. It was the God-honoring thing to do. Kind of, It was just sick stuff. So somebody who's doing that for years and years and years, and somebody was on his trail a few years, number of years before he died, and so he changed his habits to hide it better. I mean, there's no spirit of repentance there. So Ravi, man, God only knows for sure, but I'll tell you this, if, if somebody had the same situation as Ravi Zacharias was a member of my church, he'd be facing discipline. We'd be walking through Matthew 18 right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So back on track a little bit. So we're talking about being nice. And, and the same thing with Ravi. I think people were afraid to offend Ravi Zacharias. Like, he's a nice guy. I don't want to be mean to him. I'm going to give him every benefit of the doubt. I'm going to be nice. And they allowed him to wallow in this horrible habit of sin as a result of being nice. And yet we want to react against the things that are tearing down institutions that are positive, our, our structures and our heritage and our traditions and all the statues that have come down and things have been canceled, you know, uh, famously now uh, Joe Rogan's uh, getting all sorts of pressure for Spotify to cancel his podcast and all that sort of stuff. And Whoopi Goldberg, too. <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg, ironically. Only for two weeks. Yeah, ironically. <laughs> and we want to stand up and say, look, that's not right. But if you're standing up for somebody who's a jerk or somebody who owned slaves 250 years ago. Oh, that's not nice. Uh, well, then you're not being nice. So you're trying to stand up for what's righteous, what's true. You're trying to elevate what was good about a certain situation. But you're not nice. So how, should we just keep our mouths shut on that? I don't think so. But do you guys disagree? We should not talk about defending statues defending somebody who's being canceled off of social media? We should absolutely talk about it. I mean, the, biblically, you remember the good things somebody did and the bad things. You don't hide the bad things, but you're honoring them, them for what they did. And, I mean, you have the whole hall of faith. In, Abra I mean, in um, Hebrews 
11, right? Uh, and tells, talks about all these men of faith and women of faith who were, in many cases, um, there are some very gross and egregious sins that are also listed in the Old Testament of what they did. But they're still remembered and, and, and proclaimed as here's somebody that gives a good example that we can follow. So I don't think there's anything wrong with, you know, uh, having those memories of, of people in, in the past. And certainly canceling somebody, I mean, the whole idea of cancel culture is, is just stifle speech and memory and history. And I think that's, that's a problem. It's part of the it's part of the issue that um, you know it, with if God is out of the picture, right? So if you are just approaching human beings from a uh, just a humanist kind of perspective, then you you still right like there's still a desire for one who is perfect, right? One who is holy. Right. And so then um then any time there's anyone who uh that then you know and and you're looking for a for for heroes right who are but you're looking for um yeah yeah I mean it's it's like there without without knowing Jesus right without knowing one who is perfect um uh, in every way, uh, you know, you're you're left grasping for for someone somewhere, and 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 you don't know how to deal with with people falling short, or you know, or learning how to um, celebrate the um, you know, look to follow the example of people where where they are worth following. Where they are, you know. Uh, you know, Paul talks about follow me as I follow Christ. You know, and so, so that we should celebrate that when people follow Christ and set an example of that. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that's the uh, piece that I think has been missing from the uh, conservatives' arsenal. So many people that would identify as conservatives, you know, Republicans, patriotic American kind of thing. Even they. You know, even those that we might count ourselves among that group in large measure uh, aren't resting upon God's standard and God's way. And so we, we talk ourselves into a corner sometimes by saying, well, cancel culture is bad. But God has his own version of a cancel culture, right? Yeah. There, you know, if somebody is uh, in unrepentant sin and they go through the Matthew 18 <laughs> we talked about, they're canceled from church, right? They can't participate in the Lord's Supper, for example. They're canceled from participating in that sacrament. There are other examples. So the thing for us, I think, to, to clarify is there needs to be some sort of standard by which things are or are not canceled. And so those who are ungodly, they're canceling things for ungodly reasons, and then our reaction is rightly to say, well, that's wrong. But then we unfortunately add, because cancel culture is wrong. No, 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 that's wrong because it deviates from God's righteous standard. And we haven't done that well because now we're in situations where the, the, the evil forces in the world are doing bad things to good and righteous people and causes. And you want to cancel them, quote unquote. You know, oh, you can't cancel cultures wrong. We've been saying that for years. Well, we've been saying it wrong for years because God would have us cancel that. God would have us call that out, hold it to account. There are consequences for bad behavior kind of thing. There's a tendency to move 
<clears throat> the farther you move towards the libertarian side, the more you're likely you're to say something mm. like, well, it's none of my business what they do. Well, yeah, it doesn't affect your personal salvation, but it is things we, can, we should call out. Right, and that's where we got to be, because there's, there's a lot of things that, in my opinion, are attractive about the whole libertarian ideology, but it's incomplete. And where it's lacking, um, you could argue it's sorely lacking, and we got to be careful about that. Anyway, that's the end of this program. Thanks so much for listening. We got David Forsey, Imran Razvi, Daniel Razvi. I'm Troy Skinner. This is the Faith Debate. You've been listening to us on 930 WFMD uh, or on the FM at 99.9 HD2, possibly online at WFMD.com. Or if you're listening to this later, perhaps it's a podcast. You can access all the different kinds of stuff and connect with us. Email me, call me, whatever you want. Uh, householdoffaithinchrist.com is, is the website where you can connect to everything that I'm involved with and that this show is involved with. Householdoffaithinchrist.com. Till next week, 167 and a half hours from, let me check my watch, right now. God bless. <laughs>